Nightly Podcast, episode six, as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Andrew. I am baffled. <laughs> and uh, Carl. What the fuck? I'm Eric. And I'm Dave. And shall we just introduce Alan Walsh, the topic of the entire league hold, right now? Hold on, Dave. Real quick, um, I wanna I wanna give a shout out to JD Lyon because he made our new intro music so just a nice quick shout out to him that was awesome of him to do Uh, he's a Leafs fan who uh, decided to come join the Vegas Golden Knights fandom uh, after the Leafs got knocked out real cool guy Um, we'll we'll tag him in the uh, podcast post so thanks again it sounds pretty awesome too I mean it's not too late to drop out now after this whole (laughs) situation (laughs) so now let's talk about Mr. Alan Walsh holy shit okay so this in context right now because we are we plan to record today uh, a certain time and the tweet literally just came out about not even an hour ago it's about what 40 minutes ago right and so let's explain the tweet in case anybody I don't think anybody will have not seen that tweet but yeah, it was Flurry getting stabbed by a sword that says DeBoer. Yeah. And to start, can I just say, whoever picked the picture, I'm glad they picked a picture where Flurry was actually stopping the puck. That was impressive. <laughs> I, I, I also feel like this is a little bit too much. It's a little bit too graphic because they actually have blood on the on the sword. And so the sword, I mean, so the yeah. sword says DeBoer once again. So it's yeah. it is depicting the, that that DeBoer has murdered. Flurry on the ice, uh, obviously him in the back. Yeah, yeah, obviously trying to uh, trying to show that since DeBoer arrived, Flurry now has fallen out of favor. So I don't even know where to begin on all of this. This is to me in a sport that is constantly we and team and I support what the coach did or my team helped me out. I mean, they never want to draw attention to themselves for this to happen by an agent is just astonishing to me. And once again, this isn't a a mid February, nothing going on out of the race game. They're preparing for the first game of the second round of the playoffs. They're one of the final eight teams. They just went three and oh in the round Robin and four and one in their first round matchup. So they've lost one game since the return to play. And this is what the agent decides to do. I just, for me, I can't wrap my head around it. It makes no sense. The timing's terrible. The actual just depiction of it is terrible. I just, either, once again, Flurry had something to do with it and is supportive of it, which I don't. I don't, I don't think so. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe want to that. believe and I don't believe it. Or he had no fucking idea and he's calling Alan Walsh right now and saying, hey, cool, I appreciate you getting me the last contract, but you're fired. Like, I think it's one or the other. It can't be – this is crazy. I think this is very, very, very unprofessional of Walsh. This is just – there's no reason to do this except for selfish gains because this doesn't benefit the team. This probably won't benefit Flurry right now. Like, what's what's the point of doing this except for the agent trying to save face for his – like his client or something but like what's, that. Okay, but it, it, even if we go down that path, what is the point of that? He's already That's got, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. What is the well, fucking point? It's for his next contract. Maybe. He's not going to get a next one. He's already in his mid-30s. He's not getting another contract after the two more years that he has. And if he is, it's a one-year deal in Pittsburgh to go back and retire there. 
he's not playing till 40, 41, 42. I mean, he's already made all the money. Yeah, he's got his last long-term contract. Yeah, what I'm, all I'm saying is just it, this is very unprofessional of Walsh. I, I, I don't believe this is – like, I'm, knowing Flurry, I don't think he has anything to do with this. I think this is all from Walsh. He's just upset that his client's not playing. Yeah, and plus, wouldn't you want your your client to be fully focused on winning Yes. right now? Exactly. I mean, winning for him is going not just good for the team, but good for Flurry. It could lead to better endorsements later on saying, hey – one Vegas is a Stanley Cup championship. He's very popular around the city and that. You know he's going to get endorsement skills because of a Stanley Cup championship. But he's, already this... the, he's already the face of the NHL's um, commercial right now. Every yeah. single commercial break, Apple and the Vegas Golden Knights and Mark Andre Fleur and Mark Stone are prominently displayed through every single game. So he's already the face. I, once again, these things, it just makes absolutely zero sense to me. I, I can't figure it out. And if it when you turns, guys sent that out, so dumbfounded. And if it turns out that Flurry has something to do with this, that's just going to ruin his name because that's you, – you, you know what I mean? Because that's very, you know, selfish. Yep, if back he, to the whole yeah. hockey if it comes as a out, team yeah. game. Yeah, if it comes out, if it, it, it's, it's, it's dumb. So it's obviously going to be a distraction for the team because the next time that they hold media availability, it's the only thing that's going to want to be talked about. But also – so Alan Walsh, his two biggest agents are both Golden Knights, his two biggest average annual value uh, deals. It's uh, Flurry and Max Pacioretty. So you know Max Pacioretty is going to be asked next time he's in front of a microphone, hey, are you happy with Alan Walsh representing you as well? So it's just, it, once again, it adds another layer that this team didn't need to deal with going into the, the first game of the second round. It just, it's fucking dumbfounding is what it is to me. I don't know if you guys know the answers, but has Flurry been with Alan Walsh his entire career? Uh, I don't know. I'm not I don't sure. know. I don't know his, his entire career. For some odd reason, I'm thinking he's, go to, he's – Go to Puckpedia. Yeah. For some odd reason, I'm thinking he has not been with him his entire career. I, uh, Alan Walsh also represents Bacioretti, by the way. Yeah. So I literally just said yeah, that. Yeah, Eric literally just said that. <laughs> oh. I'm really distracted right now with all this situation. This is yeah, it, it's throwing us all a flutter here. Yeah, because like I, to be, but to be honest with you, like I feel confident enough in the leadership in this locker room to kind of uh, for uh, get this like the team to get past this as a as a team, but it's still. Like not a good look though. It's it's still a bad uh, distraction. Yeah, instead of instead you know, not unnecessary one. Yep. Yeah, instead of talking about your 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 next deal, he's been an agent for of Flurry since at least this 2014 contract. Oh well, so not his whole career then. It I don't know. It just doesn't say who the agent was on the older ones, but it yeah. does start to say Alan Walsh during the Pens and Golden Knights. So. But that's the other thing is what my, my other weirdness about this is the same shit basically happened to Flurry for two of his different seasons in Pittsburgh. You didn't see Alan Walsh stirring that shit up back then. I mean, I, I guess I didn't follow that long. I, I didn't follow along that closely back then. Twitter wasn't as popular as it is right now. So yeah, yeah. It just it seems so strange though. Like you, you, I know there was some controversy around the whole goalie situation with Flurry and Murray in like the 15, 15, 16, and sixteen, seventeen seasons, but I don't think it ever blew up like it has this season. 
Yeah, because the word has always been how professional Flurry is, how much of a team player he is, how like how he how much he supported Murray during that time, and now his agent comes out here trying to stir controversy. Like I don't like I, I I don't think Flurry has anything to do with this. At the same time, the one thing I will say is that the whole bubble situation and you know Flurry being away from his family for this long, maybe that's starting to wear him down. Like, why am I sitting here not playing it, but also not? at home with my wife and kids. Huh. Alan Walsh is apparently a former LA prosecutor. Mm. Well, yeah, he, he, he was, he was, I remember last year during the whole Pacioretty deal, Alan Walsh, a lot of people in Vegas talked about him because keep in mind, there was a game last year that it was rumored that Max Pacioretty was healthy scratched. So I remember Jesse had to apologize for something. Alan Walsh is a bulldog. I mean, he absolutely is. Maybe you like that as your agent, but it's to me this is over over a line. Once again, when it's picked up, it's picked up by everybody. Elliot Friedman, JT Bourne. I mean, yeah. it is picked up by everybody. This is huge news. So for this to this just isn't going to blow over today. They're not just going to be okay. No big deal. Hey, it's, it's over. Unless Flurry comes out and says, "Hey, I had nothing to do with this. I apologize for the distraction." Alan Walsh is no longer my agent. That's about the only way to get this to blow over. It's like, news, the, the thing was one bad game from a goalie, and this is going to come up again and blow up. So yep. it, it, it is a very unnecessary distraction. So, I, Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's just it's in, really interesting. <laughs> I just don't know who benefits from this out of anybody at this specific point in time. Adam Walsh? Alan Walsh, maybe? Don't, I don't know why. Don't know how. Just getting his name out there may be hired by more agents or more clients. But, like, if if they – if, you know, potential prospective clients see your agent doing this in a playoff run, they're going to run for the hills. Yeah. Nope. Uh, Flurry has been with Walsh his entire career. Oh, yeah? Yep. I just linked the article to you guys in the chat here, so. So, it's a – this sounds like – it's a personal vendetta for Walsh potentially. Could be, because this could be, because this is Flurry's last, like his last con big contract. So I feel like Walsh kind of wanted Flurry to actually play. You know what doesn't, I mean? Doesn't matter. You're still getting. Yeah, paid. He's getting I mean, Marion Marion Hosa didn't play at the end of his contract. He's still getting every dollar of his. Yeah, but I I, I really don't see the point of this. No, like, it, it's it's trying to wrap your head around it is not going to make any sense. Once again, either. Flurry had something to do with it, has been – but I don't – the team's – I mean, DeBoer's not going to come out and say, hey, Flurry, guess what? You're not ever fucking playing again because what if, what if Leonard looks terrible and yeah. then they need to go to him? Or what <laughs> if Leonard gets hurt? I mean, th there's no way that the team said that. If anything, the team has continued to say, hey, we have two starters. We're ready to go. But this is just – talk about goalie controversy. This is just blown up in the face now because this is – once again, instead of talking about, hey, Vancouver coming up, how can we – how can we – neutralize them or how can we do this or the only thing that wants to be talked about for the next 48 hours is going to be this and on the broadcast tomorrow NBCSN is going to talk about it. it's just going to be huge news. I, I will the only thing it benefits is Alan Walsh himself because he's standing up for his guy and other clients out there are going to say like hey he's going to stand up for me he's going to do everything he can for me and that's the only thing I yeah. can see that is benefiting I love twist Oscar Dance is going to be back up tomorrow yeah, uh, I, I, would I even, said that earlier. Yeah, I would even laugh harder though if 
<laughs> where he ends up playing tomorrow. Yeah, like because because we were saying this, like Leonard could have been the goalie for Chicago just because it's against his old team. Watch they 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 go with Flurry against Vancouver because he hasn't lost to Vancouver in forever, and he's going to be the main goalie against Vancouver. And then Leonard's only going to get the back-to-back or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been saying my personal stance on that is that if I had a choice between these two elite goalies for this next round two against specifically Vancouver, I'd play Flurry. I'd see how he does because he's always played them very well. I'd pick either because I really like both of them. Yeah, I mean, I do too. But like looking at the stats historically for Leonard um, against the Canucks versus Flurry against the Canucks, Flurry's got a really solid yeah. record. No, the, yeah. only, the only stat that's better is win-loss because goals, goals uh, allowed and save percentage, Leonard's better in both. It's just record. Leonard was like two and three, and Flurry was like 12, two and two or something like that. So yeah, and part loss, of those were probably Chicago, I'm assuming, so that doesn't really count. <laughs> uh, Might have been with Buffalo as well because Buffalo – he, play, yeah. he played on some bad teams, Ottawa, Buffalo, Chicago. He hadn't played on, on great teams. The only time he was was the Islanders. The Islanders and right now. Yep. So, yep. I mean, I, I can't try to put a bow on it. It makes no fucking sense to me. It's just, to me, it is bad timing, stupid, stupid thing to do, but – Hey, I'm not an NHL agent, so whatever. It, like I said earlier, just dump out of that. Did not expect to see that in our group chat earlier when which whoever one of you guys sent it and it's like, wow. Just wow. Yeah, I was watching Legend of Korra and then you just, just ruined it. It was getting to the good parts too. And I had to stop. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, not you I don't it's not your fault. It's Alan Walsh's fault. So Yeah. It's his fault. Yeah, that's. What are we, we going to talk we, about? We just hit this log because we're just so speechless about it now. So how about we just talk about Vancouver then? Well, yeah. we can talk about our series against Chicago first, if you guys want. Yeah, we can wrap that series. Um, this is first recording since that series wrap. So uh, Vegas won the series four games to one. Uh, controlled, obviously, first game won that one four to one. Uh, each, ever all the other games were, were one goal games. One of them went to overtime. Um, except lost. for the first game. Yeah. That's the one that they won four to one. Game yeah, one. yeah. Yeah. Are you listening or? Yeah. 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 We can hear you. <laughs> I don't think he is. Yeah. Cause he, he literally said, except for the first game. And I was already explaining that. Um, Carlo, go ahead. Cause now you, I lost my train of thought. Oh no! I was I was just saying that um, I was thinking that it's crazy that the best game that Vegas played was Game uh, Four. They lost that game. The best game Chicago played was Game Five, and Chicago lost that game. So, because Chicago didn't go down without a fight. Uh, I thought they played really well in Game Five and really kind of put Vegas, uh, like, you know, like that. They were. They were up 2-0, I think, right? The start in Vegas had to come back and win it. And like I said, it's the best game Chicago played, and they lost it. I just thought it was ironic. Yeah, game five, uh, it, they were up 2-0 in the first, and then Pacioretty had that late goal with uh, 30 seconds left in the first period. And then Stone scored early in the second period to get it uh, get it tied. And then I think we went down 3-2, and then I yeah, the game and scored. But, yeah, it was that weird break, breakaway. When he was all alone. Oh, yeah, that's right. The bad turnover, bad turnover by uh, um, Schmidt again. Schmidt had a had a rough series. I know that that Jesse kind of um, 
talked about a lot of the numbers, but there was some, obviously a lot of, a lot of the players had a really good, good series. Um, Stevenson on the fourth line. I thought that's the best. He looked all series. He just kind of looked, unfortunately, a little out of place up uh, as a wing with Carlson and stone. And then when he was uh, down on the third line, he was not as good. I don't, or actually he was the center um, between Pacioretty and stone when, uh, Stastny Stastny was out. Yeah. So I, I just don't think he looked fantastic. He didn't look terrible, but he just didn't look great. Whereas in, when he was fourth line center, there was multiple times that uh, Carrier and Stevenson were able to use their speed and, and get it going. So I, I liked uh, I liked a lot what I saw from from the team. I think really they call it the gentleman sweep. I mean, yeah, Crawford stole one game for him, but it wasn't going to hold up that way. Yeah, there's there's just no way that it could actually they could sustain that pressure for you know to win that series or to come back and win that series. You know, I, I know we our last recording was right after the only loss in that series, so we probably had a really interesting point of view from that moment in time. But yeah, I I kind of I think we most of us expected five. I think we all picked it except Carlo because Carlo didn't want to wanted to be the man. I didn't want to, I didn't want to conform to the masses. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I think it was good for them to, to, to get it over in five. Now get a little bit of a break. Um, they were the first team onto the second round. Uh, NHL did a really good job as a whole of getting the second round started earlier. So they've already cut four days off of the schedule at the tail end because they were able to move first our second round up four days. So, It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. There's back to backs again in the second round. Uh, we have back to back game four and game five, or is it game five yeah. and game six? It's four and five. Four and five. It's four and five. Yeah. So uh, if we sweep them, we don't need to have a back to back. But doubt that. But uh, talking about that though, because if the Blues did win last night, they w- we would have to we would have to wait till Tuesday Correct. to play the game because. They had to play game seven, and that would have been tomorrow instead of the Golden Knights play tomorrow. And then the other series would be uh, maybe even potentially two games ahead of yeah. the Knights. And that would have been total chaos So, uh, as the theme of the 2020. But another, another uh, aspect from the last series that I was really impressed of was that third line, and we keep harping on it, but they were really good. Tuck getting that game-winning goal uh, on game five was uh, – just stuck being – dominant like he, he he willed himself to score that goal that was a really good uh power move by alex stuck yeah then we thought he had another one after that but yeah all back. And, that, and that was on stevenson too that that second goal stevenson created that play he, yeah. it was a, it was a really good play too bad he got um too bad he got called back and stevenson only still has one point he could have had two if that goal stand yeah that was a great rush by stevenson pushing the Pushing the offense there, Tuck comes up, and but then it was Cousins in front of the net, wasn't it? You know, yeah. call for interference. Yeah, it was or Cousins. Or incidental contact, actually. But yeah, because he, yeah, he. Well, that was really obvious. Cause Cousins was in the blue, and he w- and then so Crawford couldn't get back into the blue. So that that was kind of pretty obvious goal interference. The only reason I thought it would stand is because I thought it was in the across the goal line before contact was made, but yeah. it was so close that whatever but yeah no tuck tuck looked took really good um that third line really uh controlled play so 
they cleaned up after the first couple of games. I know we talked about it a little bit. Um, Wah and Tuck had some turnovers that we didn't like. They cleaned that up over the last couple of games. So that was good for them. But yeah, so that'll be, I think that'll be the, one of the deciding factors in the Vancouver series. Cause the top six for Vancouver is very good. Top six for Vegas. Very good. Now you start looking at third line, third line for Vancouver, not good at all. So that's where Vegas needs to uh, make hay. And the fourth line, too, for Vancouver is very subpar. It, I think it's an okay fourth line, but I feel like our for, fourth line could be like a third line. Especially with Stevenson. Stevenson yeah, the carry Stevenson in for carry, sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and Reeves has always have that, you know, what, what he brings. Physical presence, been, yeah. I mean, it'll yeah. be – first time he body checks Quinn Hughes or Elias Patterson, that'll be uh, – it'll be interesting and, to see how they continue to uh, play. And credit to Reeves, though. He's, he's already had four points this playoffs. He, and he's had, he's had, been scoring pretty at a decent rate. Like for Reeves' standard, he's been scoring a decent rate this year. Yeah, I mean, he his passing plays under DeBoer, in my opinion, have have improved a lot. I, I think that he he's thinking about where he needs to get the puck a lot more than he has in the past. Instead of just being more of a net crashing presence, because um, you've seen him make some plays that have turned into goals from other players um, on his line. So. Yeah, I mean, I I like I, I actually really like the way the fourth line's been playing, and I actually think it's kind of fun to see them start most of these games, um, especially <laughs> because the other you can tell it does put an intimidation factor out there for the other starting line. Yeah, and you know in those later games, you know they didn't give up any high danger chances starting up. I, the whole series, I don't think the every time we start, I don't think they gave up high danger chances. At all. I think they've actually created high danger chances when he started. I forgot if it was game you. two or game three, but right off the right off the uh, opening faceoff, they created a turnover, got got pucked yeah. down and had a high danger chance right away. Yeah. But I, they I don't think even, they pushed the line in game five as well too, but they didn't uh, come it, away with anything. They don't even stay that long when, when they start. They stay there for like about 30, 20 seconds, and then they come off the come off the ice. Which uh, which game was it where right off the face off, right off one of the face offs, Revo just destroys Taves? I can't remember which. Oh, game. someone yeah, someone posted that uh, say, saying that Taves was dominant in the uh, in the face off dot, but Reeves was the solution because he just pushes him off the, the face off dot. <laughs> It, it probably realistically that either could have been interference or, or some sort of penalty because yeah. that that is not a legal play and yeah. Yeah. he didn't do it again i mean he took one one liberty and didn't do it again so no but it was funny to see no. I, I mean my one of my favorite overall hits that happened was just a f- fairly mellow hit against kirby doc but it just sent the kid flying I mean, eh, he's still young and thin yeah he'll he's still awesome. young yeah that's a good boy. To, to me, coming out of that series, to, to, to try to put a ball in the Chicago series, Doc is absolutely looks like the right pick at number three. Probably, I mean, with the year that Caco Capo had, you could probably argue as the Rangers, you probably needed a center. Might have looked at him, but I get why Capo was taken. But Kirby Doc, it was kind of maligned when they made that pick. They kind of talked about it like, ah, oh, they probably should have taken Turkin or somebody else. But Kirby Doc looks phenomenal. And really had a great playoff run for Chicago. Really, that four months off was fantastic for him. Yeah, he's going to have a nice long career. Yep. Yeah, Chicago has a lot of young pieces, and they, they're looking uh, with a bright future. I don't know if they can keep the core together. They're, um, you know, uh, Kane and Taves because they are like really expensive. I don't know. This is Crawford's last year, 
of his contract, so I don't know if they can keep him. And I bet you they re-sign him like under three. I bet you because yeah. he was making six or seven, so I bet you they re-sign him yeah. under three. To we'll, see, we'll see if they can afford him though, because because the because of the stagnant cap, and they have to sign other other players. Yeah, but well, uh, yeah, I think gonna, they are going to try to keep him. We're going to have a lot of goalie chaos after next season. Oh, though, the, anyway, goal, so. the goalie chaos going into this off season is absolutely astronomical. I know there's been a lot of talked about it, a lot written about it, but I mean, you got. Markstrom, Leonard, Crawford, stop. Um, <laughs> you got Thomas Grice. Uh, you got a lot of Kudobins at RFA. I, um, I don't know. He's a UFA. Pittsburgh has two RFAs in both uh, Murray and Jari. So there's going to be a lot of goalie movement this offseason for sure. Of course, the big, the two biggest names is Markstrom and Leonard. Correct. And, and both teams are – is cop cap strapped and is going to have a hard time keeping those two goalies. And hey, you don't know what uh, Lundqvist is going to do either. He's I mean, still under contract. That's why I didn't mention. I tried not to mention anybody that that is still under contract. Yeah, well, they, they got three. They got three of them there with the Rangers. So correct. Yeah, there's that could be a buyout. Obviously, uh, going back to Carlos' comment about Flurry. I mean. Do they really just hand the team back over to Flurry next year and go, "Oh, hey, thanks, uh, Leonard was here, but now it's your team again." Whew. And maybe that's maybe that's what's happening behind the scenes is that there there's some stuff moving around in the management chain and who knows. I don't know. I don't want to get I don't want to get deep into that because. Yeah, let's try to focus on get, looking to Vancouver now because yeah. once again, this team does have game one of round two, so they're one of the final eight teams starting tomorrow night at seven thirty. Schedule's already out. Carlo did a great job of making a. Uh, graphic mini for mini calendar. Yep, very cool. And easy, easy to look at. And you guys uh, just came off a of recording on the uh, um, Stick and Rink podcast for the Canucks on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here, how did that? How did your chats go? It was uh, it was it was a little bit uh, trolling at their part because they know what to say to kind of get us riled up. Like, Eric's face when they said that Vegas doesn't have any stars <laughs> <laughs> was, was pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, like I, was, I said in that podcast, if his eyes could roll any farther, they would have fallen out of his head. <laughs> I was, I would have, I was gonna say that like Flurry and Mark Stone are literally the face of Apple right now, like, and you don't call that stars. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. When they said that, I was uh, obviously then went into to, to some stats on on why that Stone can drive offensive play, not just defensive play, because they tried to just make him a one trick pony. The point that I made on it was um, Patterson, when paired – or not paired, but when on the ice at the same time as the Ryan O'Reilly line, struggled. I mean, just got absolutely abused by Perron and O'Reilly. And Stone, Carlson, and Pacioretty are probably a better defensive line than the Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron line. So if Patterson struggled against them, I can't wait to see what Stone and Carlson do to him because that and- will – be a lot of fun to watch and and to a certain extent he after that line they have to go against a riley smith and a paul stastny um yeah. the third line is not as defensively stout as our first two but they're but you still have cousins and wa there who are pretty decent at uh defensively themselves and nothing about vancouver too is like well they played Bennington at his worst yes uh all i think all their 
I think all no, they three of their wins came from Bennington. Only one of them came Correct. against Allen. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I don't think we have. I hope we don't have that same kind of goalie problem as St. Louis did. That's right, because because uh, beat Allen in game five when it was tied yeah. two to two. They beat Allen, but Bennington they beat game one, game two, and game six. Um, the big thing to to look forward to that we need to to focus on, and when it happens is Vancouver's power play was very good. Vancouver, on the games that they won, went 7 for 13 on their power play. On games that they lost, they went 0 for 10. So, obviously, Vegas is the least penalized team in the bubble right now, so that's going to be important to continue because if you keep this at 5 on 5, Vegas has the decided advantage for that. Don't want to go shorthanded against them because they absolutely have the talent with Besser and Horvat and Miller and Patterson and Hughes on that power play unit one to take advantage of Vegas and their penalty killers. But how much, how much of that has to do with Bennington though? Yeah, I'm sure there's some, but still, I mean, they put a little montage out about all the goals they scored on Bennington and Bennington (laughs) did have a look at most of those. He wasn't screened. They weren't, yeah. Fantastic backdoor passes that he had no chance on. He had a look at a lot of them and didn't save them. So that might inflate um, Vancouver a little. So we'll see, obviously, what happens game one. I'm really excited about seeing how the series starts. Um, but keep in mind, Vegas has the lowest um, goal uh, save percentage in the um, of the teams remaining. They're under 900 as a team. So they yeah. control play, but they – Sometimes, it's yeah. the it's the defensive yeah, turnovers. And that's, that, and that's what I wanted to talk about is yeah. I am very concerned specifically about the Schmidt-McNabb pairing. Um, I, I don't think they have played well at all recently. Schmidt has made a couple of really good, like, you know, timely saves on, on things coming at the net, but then he's also turned things over in the slot more, more times than, especially in the last two games, he turned everything over in the slot. I was – yeah, it was concerning to watch because he looked – especially game five, he looked very uncomfortable with the puck, and he is a fantastic puck-moving defenseman. So, I don't – I just I, – it's a bad game. I mean, I, I think when you were playing the level of talent that he played, because keep in mind, Taves, Kane, yeah. uh, Doc, Debrinket, I mean, those are talented players that like to go up and down, and he drew the most difficult matchup every time on the ice – so I think it's just you write it off to a bad game, maybe a little bit of a bad series, and, and you move on. I think it's a because Horvat doesn't have the speed. He, he's not a fast guy. Patterson's not a physical guy. I think I think Vegas is going to be able to control play against Vancouver, and I think McNabb and Schmidt have all the confidence in the world to go and 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 take advantage of this team. And I think uh, Jesse brought this up too in their in their podcast where uh, Schmidt and McNabb gets the defensive draws about 80% of the time. So like that they, they, they're put in the worst position, but they still make pretty decent play. Like they're not going to succeed a hundred percent of the time because they are put in a really bad position. You know what I mean? I'm just so, going to point out here that Carlo is just full on ignoring anything Eric says this entire podcast. No, I mean, I, I, you didn't mention about his the defensive draws. <laughs> I, I mentioned that they, that they, that they face the, mo- the I, most – I know, but this is – the defensive draw is different. You're saying D-zone draw. You are correct. Yeah. They do get thrown out <laughs> of the most, talk, most of the time. I'm just, I'm just reiterate, reiterating what he is talking about. <laughs> I'm just adding – I'm just adding to it. I'm just adding to it. 
<laughs> and I was just going to say, it, it's a matchup issue. That's what it was yeah. a big matchup issue for them, too, yeah. against Tane, or Kane and Taves. And, you know, sometimes you looked at Schmidt's face and it looked like he had a look of kind of panic on his face, but he's not keep, facing. Keep in mind, Kane is still, he's terrible in his own end. He's terrible defensively. He's still one of the most gifted offensive wingers in the game, still today. So yeah. if yeah. McNabb and Schmidt get thrown out there, in the D zone, and Kane's out there, obviously they're going to struggle a little bit. Which, which game was it where Kane had that three assists? Because he took over that game. I think that it, was, was game, it was game five, I think. Yeah, it was, was his, his, his best game. He had a goal, and he no. had a couple of assists. No, it wasn't game five. It was, it was game oh, are three. You talking, it was the one they lost. The yeah, yeah, yeah when he had three. Uh, when he uh, had three. They only had, they only had two, uh, two goals the whole game, so I don't know that he had, would have had three Wait, points. Wait, no. Because it game three or game two, it was the one when they had three goals. He had three assists. So uh, I think it was game two. Yeah, oh, the one that went to overtime. The one that went to overtime was game two. Kane yeah, had Kane, a great game. Yeah, yeah, Kane had assists. He just didn't have any goals till the, yeah. till the last game. He on, game yeah, five. he only had one goal, which is you know you can't always you know count judge a player all all by goals. Like, Correct. and that that was the first time actually in the playoffs I saw this stat that. When both Taves and Kane score in the playoffs, that was the first time they lost on game five. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's kind of showing where their trajectory of that team is. They have to move on to a new core, I think. I, I don't th- I Kane and Taves are going to stay there. Keith, obviously, is one that you would like to move. Yeah. And then um, who's the other um, defenseman that was hurt? Ebrook. Seabrook, yeah, Brent Seabrook. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they have to figure out what to do with that money. So, the fact that they they, they beat Edmonton and made it to the playoffs was probably good for the young core. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bolquist, their young defenseman, looked out of place, unfortunately. Um, got scratched a couple times, got benched after a goal a couple times. So, you know he's going to be good, but it just – I think overall for Chicago, if you look, you went, okay, hey, we made it to the playoffs. It was a nice little run, but now what do they do? And I don't think they're going to be a contender for the next couple of years. Yeah, but they have some pretty good young pieces, though, still. Yeah. I think they're going to – it's it's probably about at least three years for them to be actual contender or playoff contender at least. But, yeah, they're moving in the right direction, I think. Well, let's go back to Vancouver. I don't know why we backtracked to Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vancouver, obviously. So, so like we were talking about earlier, um, the top six is, is what you got to look at. Um, Toffoli is rumored to be able to be back for game one. Hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's out there. He missed all of the um, opening round and, and first round. So he will help to where they don't have to, to um, overload that top line. It's probably going to be a little bit rusty too, kind of like how Pacioretty came in for us. But another, another uh, thing with uh, – Vancouver is their goaltending because I think Markstrom has been amazing. So we got to figure out a way to beat them. That's uh, and one, one thing that the, the stick and uh, podcast talked about, which, which I didn't realize. So it was nice to get their input on it was they really felt that Vancouver struggled as a team in the back to back, not only goalie, yeah. but just the team in front of them. So that back to back on game four and game five, is the opportunity for Vegas if they're in the obviously position to close it out? That'll be good for Vegas because Vegas has the depth if they need to put 
So they need to play Nosick or Patrick Brown or a different Peyton defenseman. Krebs. Peyton Krebs, sure. No shit. <laughs> uh, John Merrill, if he needs to, to, to draw in. The other thing that hasn't been talked about, this team is fully healthy going into yeah. round two, which is – so now you're through a first playoff round where you start looking at Vancouver. Okay, Tavoli missed time. Tyler Myers hasn't been talked about what it is, but he hasn't played since he went into the boards hard. So he either really injured his shoulder or broke his collarbone. Obviously they're in the bubble, so you don't know what it is. I can't imagine him playing and that defense is depleted without him. Not that he's great, but he at least takes a little bit of the pressure off of Quinn Hughes because Quinn Hughes has to, I mean, their stats, their play driving numbers are astronomical between Quinn Hughes on the ice and Quinn Hughes off the ice. They get 55% of the expected goals with Quinn Hughes on the ice and 41% of the expected goals when Quinn Hughes is off the ice. So they need help for him, unfortunately. Yeah, I think, uh, like, like you guys said, I, I think that in observing that round with the Blues, um, you know, I, I give Vancouver a lot of credit. I think that they're an up-and-coming team, and they're they're definitely not bad. But what I do think is that the Blues were actually bad this this playoff run. I mean, they they did not look anything like that team that was running the Stanley Cup last season. So, yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see how this one goes. But you're going to have a very confident Vancouver coming in, and that – could actually backfire on them where they have all this confidence coming out of the blues and then they run into Vegas, which is now a deeper team and uh, potentially has two starting goaltenders. So yeah, oh. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting because that kind of confidence could kind of be what happened to, you know, Vegas in the Stanley cup final year one where they rolled in and then, Oh, you know, maybe win a game and then, Oh, this did not turn out how we expected sort of thing. Yeah. I think game one's going to be very interesting to see, obviously. Um, I think if Vancouver can win that game, then all of a sudden they get a little bit more confidence. But if I think Vegas comes out and kind of buzzsaws them like they did Chicago round one, where it's like a 4-1, 5-2, something like that, I think then you can start to take a lot of the, the confidence out of Vancouver and then it could, could lend yourself to being a short series. Um, back to the point on uh, St. Louis, Carlo had been talking about the whole time that he was never sold on St. Louis during the return to play. So Yeah, Carlo was right on this one, that's for sure. Yeah, especially in Bennington, man. Bennington sold his uh, his soul to Gloria, and they don't they stop using the na- uh, the the song. So it's 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 that's the reason because they stopped using the song. One little point on them: good on their uh, GM to only give him a bridge deal and say, okay, go yeah. prove that you're worth seven million dollars yeah. a year, because yeah. now they won't be on the hook for that. Yep. You yeah, because what, what do you guys think happens to him now, though? He'll still be with them next year. Uh, yeah, because he's still chance. under contract. Yeah, that, under I mean, that's contract. why he played the last game because, like we said in the other podcast, or we said to each other earlier, it's like you can't go with your number one guy setting the bench in potential elimination game and have them thinking about that all offseason long. Yeah. I, th- I think he's there next year, but, I mean, it's been talked about a lot. He was an average AHL goaltender before he caught fire at middle of last year and then through the playoffs. So he didn't just forget that all those years before he was average. I mean, that was there. He just caught, caught fire last year, obviously played it to, to getting a, a couple year, $4 million contract. But I don't think he's this goaltender. He's not a top 10 goaltender in the league. No. Any stretch of the imagination. That was a flash, flash in the pan, as they say, where yeah. he, he just got, 
hot at the right time. Have the you go- guys – go ahead. I mean, it happens to goalies a lot when when they have a really good stretch and then just – like there's a lot of average goaltenders that have a really good stretch and they look really good. But the great goalies do it consistently, you know. Bennington, I don't think that Bennington's a great goalie. I think it was just a flash in the pan, you know, so. Have you guys seen all the memes out there about um, last year joining – no, Jordan Bennington saying he thought he deserved to win the Calder over Elias Patterson? <laughs> And yeah. obviously they just yeah. eliminated him, so now they're shitting all over him. Yeah, and, and I, I, there was one because you know the whole Justin Bieber and uh, yep. Jordan Bennington thing, right? And they were like, uh, Justin Bieber wants to do the challenge now. Or something. Yeah, no, he's ready right now. Yeah, I did see yeah. that one. I think uh, I think after all of this, as this continues to happen, and years go by, I used to be a huge like give Carey Price all the money or like Carter Hart coming up, he's going to be the guy or mm-hmm. whatever. Cool. I have moved. I have completely moved off my stance. I am like a let's get two guys for three million dollars a year, and then you're good to go. Like the true number one, I think, is kind of moving away, and they're just goalies are voodoo. I have no idea how, especially I, in I this mean, cap world. I feel like I feel like guys like Carter Hart, though. I, I mean, he that guy's only 21 years old. Yeah, like, but he's, he's that good. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. Like I get there. There might be. One or two, Carey Price, obviously. I mean, he's still played on an elite level this year. But $10.5 million, I mean, that Yeah, is, that's a lot for a goalie, cap. man. Look what Bob just did. <laughs> I mean, they just gave Bob Rofsky seven years at $10 million a year. That looks like a fucking Titanic of a contract. Um, I think Carey Price's contract is worth it, but not that long. I think his contract is too long. Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay, he was young. He got a huge contract. I think he's over seven by seven years. Yeah. So there, there's some that you go, okay, I get it. But, I mean, it, it eats up so much of your cap, where if you could have two in the $3 million range, I mean, why would you not take that? I don't know. It's just. Yeah. But that that's also the part, you know, speaking of contract, uh, uh, caps, cap space talk is that that's why you need to have young players step in their entry-level contracts yep. and stuff. That's why that the Golden Knights need to do that soon because because of our contract situation. I think you see it next year. I think, obviously, Waz on one this year. Um, I think next year you start to see a bigger um, – I think Higgs is going to crack the lineup. Yeah, glass. yeah, I think you get glass. Maybe Elvinus. There's Elvinus. I think you have uh, almost maybe. zero chance of Elvinus. I mean, I think like, Elvinus is not going to – I don't think Elvinus is going to crack the opening day uh, lineup, but I think he's going to he get could be a games call up. next season. Yeah, he could be yeah a he's going to be one of the next call-up. Uh, we'll see how Dugan plays, you know. There's there's a few players like Coglin. I think maybe he's gonna get a few games next season. So we we do have a lot of depth. That's that are entry level contracts. Keep keep in mind, no team gets through the entire regular season fully healthy. So there's exactly. gonna be injuries. There's gonna be opportunity for for them to play for sure. Yeah, yeah there'll be no need to panic at the beginning of next season if so and so wasn't on the main roster. Yeah, I think Glass is gonna be though. They have to put Glass, especially with. The way Suzuki has played, they have to put Glass on the main roster next season. God, do we want to talk about Suzuki a little bit, or jeez, I mean, dude, he's amazing, man. He's he so looks good. fantastic. Uh, it, that's because he has a he had a full year of development, man. Full yep. year of development. He played all all seventy one or whatever games. Yeah, he had the four months off, but they started him off in the fourth line. In the fourth line, they started him down. So. 
They, uh, I thought they did a good job developing him. Obviously, that team didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. So yeah. by the end of the year, he was playing up third line, second line. And then by the playoffs, the time it rolled around, he played second line, first line, whatever. And he kind of played some sort of combination. But the thing that was really, really impressive to me was he was playing all situations. Yeah. He was playing penalty kill. He was playing shorthand. He was playing into the game. He was playing power play. So he, uh, he looks like the real deal. I know a lot of the fan base wants to start freaking out. Oh, we kept the wrong guy. To me, I look at it differently. Obviously, Pacioretty is better for this team right now. But it gives me more confidence in how the, the GMs, whether it be McPhee or McCrimmon, are drafting. It, it gives mm-hmm. me confidence in the fact that, hey, they got a guy that made it directly to the NHL within three years. Same thing with Brandstrom. Same thing with Glass looks like that. Well, Bre- Brandstrom has, has been up and down this yeah. year. But I think, really I think next year it's, it's pretty confident that, that he'll be an yeah. uh, everyday NHL player. So there's a lot of first-round picks, especially those mid-first-round picks, that you can go back to 2015, 2014. Those players never made it to the NHL or never really played all that much. So I think to get impactful players really gives confidence, once again, to the, to the GMs and the scouting department to where you go, okay, look, they got Krabs next year or this year they're going to have a, a late 20s, hopefully, pick. So – Gives you confidence. Another point on the Suzuki thing, though, is that uh, he he was able to develop in the Montreal system because of their lack of depth. Like he he had a spot on their roster to to be able to move up or down, and they and like you said, they weren't really expecting to be competing this season, so they they were they were able to afford to give him more minutes. Without yeah, he wasn't worried of, about yeah playing bad and getting yeah benched. playing bad or being benched. If you compare that to Cody Glass, where we have the depths that we have, where we had to find a way to put him in the roster, but we couldn't really put him in the right position, you know. And we we really like Golden Knights are competing, so we were very we were very concerned of the results as a team. So if Cody Glass didn't like had a bad game or whatever. You know, Turk, especially during time of Turk, they, they, he put him in a, a different position, try to make it work. And it was a lot more free-flowing. He didn't really get – the last didn't get to establish himself as a position, you know. It kind of well, hurt I'm, his development a little bit, I think. One other thing that, I, that I'd add to this, and I don't know that we've talked about it, and I guess I never really thought about it until now. Turk had to have known he was coaching for his, his job. So at that point, like you said, even more pressure on a young kid. Hey, you have yeah. to perform, otherwise you got no chance. He, I mean, at the end, because there's no way it was just completely dumbfounded. He knew that he had to, to perform. I yeah. Think. Did you guys listen to the um, interview? Yeah, his his interview with uh, what was it, two man advantage or whatever. Yeah, I ha- I actually haven't had the chance to. I I've read I, some quotes from it, and I, and I did listen to it. Um, it it was it was the tone was actually more it. it interesting than I thought it would be. I thought that it, the, the way that people wrote the, the quotes from that actual interview and the podcast, it made it sound a lot more negative than his tone was on the podcast itself. So when, when I was listening to Turk, the way he was explaining it was, was not that he's like, oh, fuck this team. I'm still like mad at him. He, he was definitely said, he said, you know, firsthand that he was very upset that he was let go. But he understands that the organization itself is geared toward specifically winning a cup this year, and they weren't 
going to accept anything less than that, essentially. So that's what we're seeing playing out with all of these moves that they're making. And, and that's basically what he said. But after he said that, he also said that he's following the team and he really wants them to get all the way as well. So it was just a really interesting tone that he had because, you know, you could tell that he was disappointed that he was let go. But at the same time, he's like, well, uh, I it, like you said, Eric. It, it almost sounded like he he definitely knew this going into this season, and and knew that like this was kind of hey, you're going to be on the line if things start going back south during regular season. Yeah, Glass's leash was much shorter than Suzuki. Suzuki was there, allowed to make mistakes, allowed to lose games and stuff. And you know, absolutely. And to to kind of finish that point of we can all give Turk all the shit in the world for looking at and going, there's no way Eakin's a better center than glass, but obviously he's coaching the league. He knew what he wanted out of that third line center. So when Eakin came back, once again, if he's, if he thinks he's coaching for his job and he thinks Eakin gives him the best chance, he wasn't worried about next year. He wasn't worried about glasses development. He had to have been going, okay, how can I win the games right now? Played Eakin. Obviously it didn't work out. Didn't work out for him. I just think Glass next year, as, as Carlo said, he needs that opportunity. He needs that third-line center, playing with Tuck, playing with if you keep Stevenson or, or Cousins, whoever it is, or you can move Wad to the center. Then all of a sudden you have, I think, a very, very good line. So, I, And like we've talked about this so many times, I just don't see him make the roster if you don't uh, move Stastny. I don't think – I don't see there's any way – you move Stasny, you, you need the depth, especially to make deep playoff runs. And Stasny has looked fantastic this playoff run. He's looked mm. better now with that, that line than he has other than last playoff run for those seven games uh, with uh, Pacioretty and Stone because that line obviously just took over. But I think he's looked really, really good this year. And I just don't – I don't think they move him. I, I, I mean – I mean, it, it just makes sense to me, man. It's the last year of his contract. Yeah. You can get assets for him, and we need to make room because we do have center depth without Stasny because Stevenson can play center. Watkins plays center. You know, Glass plays center. You get Patrick Brown now, apparently. I don't know if we can keep Noshik. I don't think you no. keep Noshik, but I mean, I, I mean, sure, you could go Carlson, Glass, Stevenson, Wah or Wah Stevenson still down the middle and be okay. Yeah. But then all of a sudden Oh Cousins well, too. Don't forget about Cousins. I got you. If Carlson gets hurt, then what do you have? Then you have put, zero put, NHL put, caliber centers there. I mean, yeah, you put glass I, with with Stone and Pacioretty and, and hope for the best, but it hurts your team. I don't think that's gonna happen at this point. And if it, I, I, I think they keep them. And so, well, here's the other thing to think about is that there's not going to be a ton of teams that have the cap space to go for Stasny, and he could very easily submit a no-trade list that covers the teams that do. Yeah. And because none of these guys are going to want to be moved away from Vegas except for, well, maybe what we were talking about earlier. But Yeah, and, else... I mean, we're talking about offseason, and this team's about getting ready to, to go yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, second yeah. round. I mean, it's – once again, this team is the fa- – I mean, they're the largest favorite to win this second round. They're currently the cup favorites anywhere you look, whether it be Vegas odds or whether you look at um, uh, what's the puck? Uh, money puck. Money puck. Yeah. Um, 
Dom from the Athletic has them. I mean, everybody has them as the favorite. So obviously this team wins it all. You bring everybody back. You just go, okay, hey, get everybody back that you can and figure it out from there because you don't make a ton of changes after you win a cup. Yeah, I mean, the, so one thing I will say is that the most impressive piece of this is that Vegas still has a decent amount of picks, too, um, over the next three seasons. They didn't lose any first-rounders, so like, it, it's – yeah, they, they've actually done pretty impressive with keeping most of their important picks. Getting the Devils picks is actually probably a good thing, too, because those would be lower. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that that devil's second round or that devil's third round pick is going to be essentially a, an extension of a of a second round pick. It's going to yeah. be a top sixty five pick, for sure. So so yeah, it's uh, that's been interesting. So so let's real quick um, just pause here and uh, have our our sponsored commercial break from the Hockey Podcast Network. Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya and previet hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck podcast. The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey. Catch our podcast every Friday from August the 28th, however you get your podcasts, and on the Europuck Podcast YouTube channel. The Europuck Podcast, giving you guys European hockey. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) And just so everybody knows... In, in real time, that was only about a three-second delay, but I'm going to, you know, do my I thought we were, we were going to do, uh, do it at the start of the uh, things now. Uh, you, you can't do that every time. You gotta All right. We got, we, we, we got a surprise, though. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they can't know where ex- what to expect. Next time, we're just going to put it right in the middle of something Carlos saying. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, what – how about uh, how about them other matchups then? What do you, what are you guys kind of thinking uh, in your sentiments for the three other matchups? For this? Man, I really like these matchups, though. It's going to be a really fun uh, round, to be honest with you. To me, my favorite matchup, excluding the the Vegas one, obviously that we'll watch all the time, that Tampa Bay Boston. That yes. could be a Eastern Conference final matchup, and you're getting that in the second round. Philly New York. If you're rating them as watchability, that's probably the lowest one. I think watchability for us, Vegas number one. For me, then it goes Tampa Bay, Boston, then Colorado, Dallas, then Philly, New York. I think you're underestimating that Philly, New York, though, because that's going to be a really good matchup, man. Oh, I was just going to say, I think I might be underestimating the Dallas if Dallas can continue to score seven goals a game. Because if yeah. they if they play run and gun with Colorado, that is going to be a fun fucking series. Well, we'll find out in about a, what an hour and a half or so. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We get to see yeah. the game. Yeah. Uh, I actually, it's funny because I actually picked Dallas for this. Really? Only yeah, because picked, everybody else picks Colorado. That and uh, in the regular season, Dallas actually played Colorado really well. And and you you are just like now you're on the train of knocking out Colorado before Vegas. That also that because I don't want to play Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's been he's been but, picking against Colorado, trying to will it to happen. No, Dallas actually. I, no, Dallas play four and zero. Right? They're four and zero in the regular season. Yes, for against, against yeah. Colorado. Yep. Uh, it's because they 
I don't know if they're going to go back to this because they played run and gun with Vancouver. I don't know why they did that. It worked. I'm mean, not Vancouver. What is it? Calgary. You played run and gun against Calgary. I don't know why they did that. That's not what Dallas normally does. Dallas is a very defensively stalwart uh, team. And that's how they beat Colorado in the regular season because they stop Colorado's fast breaks and they just counterattack. They keep the, the scores low and and they win like by one or two goals. I can't, I can't, I don't know all the scores, but I just know their record with, uh, with against, against them. I don't know if not having Bishop uh, is going to affect that, but uh, I think Dallas is a difficult matchup for Colorado. That's all because of Dallas's defense. If couldn't, they go back to that style. Couldn't Bishop be back for this round though? I don't know what's wrong with it. I don't know what's wrong with Bishop either, but Coldobin is not bad either. So it's weird because Bishop played one game and then was the backup one game, and then he was uh, then not the backup. Yeah, unfit to play. play. So he was there for one game. I don't know if it was before he played or after, but he was benched for one game because they wanted to go to Kadobin. Obviously, it'll give him a little bit of confidence coming off that Calgary series that that Kadobin was able to win that series for him. But Colorado's a different beast. I mean, Colorado just – to me, they look – more impressive than Vegas right now. I know a lot of people are talking about Vegas, but I think Colorado looks I mean, it's to against, be the most impressive team. It's They played against Kemper. That's it. The Arizona team did not show up. It did not show up at all, except for like one game. And That's they true. broke Kemper. And they broke. Yeah, they broke Kemper. Kemper could not carry that team anymore after a while. And that's what we saw every regular season, except for, well, even this one at times. But yeah, Kemper always carries that team. It's like John Gibson with the Ducks, right? Where basically the, the games they win are because of the goalie. Yeah. What do you what do you think, Dave? Well, here's the thing with Colorado and Dallas. How much was Dallas's offense because Calgary just lost all their mojo after Kachuk was hurt and they just kind of flatlined? Well, you saw Pavelski score some goals, so and that yeah. hadn't been a big thing during regular season, so that could be a big turning point for them. And uh What's the name of your defenseman? Heiskinen. Right? Oh, Heiskinen. He's, he's been amazing uh, this, uh, this postseason, Norris, too. Morris candidate in the future right there. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about this because that, that first year, if, if nobody wins the lottery, Vegas just picks three, they pick him, and it's just failing. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about how good Heiskinen is because he is – everybody wants to talk about Hughes and McCarr. For me right now, if you could let me pick one of those three moving forward, I'm taking Heiskanen. Heiskanen, yeah. What about Dolan? He's fun to watch. I'm still and taking Heiskanen over Dolan. And that, that's the thing. The league has a lot of really good young talent right now when it comes to the blue line. That's three, I guess, four four players out of three drafts because Makar and Heiskanen were both 2017. And then Dolan. Uh, no, uh, well, Heiskanen came first, and then Makar – no, Makar, Makar came with the same draft as Dolly. Oh, no, 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 it was Heiskanen and uh, Makar, Makar in 2017, yeah. pick three and pick four. Yeah. Darlene was pick one and 18, and Hughes was pick one or pick seven and 18, I think, yeah. as well. Yeah, so just two drafts, four two players drafts, and yeah. two drafts, yeah. And they look fantastic. I mean, yeah. those all look – I'll take – I'll take. once again, for me, I'd take Heiskanen. I think he, he has – the best two-way game out of all of them. Darlene's fantastic as well. I just think Heiskanen right now is playing at another level. Yeah, I agree. And I, I also think that the four names you just talked about are all potential Norris candidates down the road there. 
they're going to have to compete with Theodore. Agreed. Yeah, I think <laughs> Theodore would be a little bit ahead because of his. Yeah, he's a little. He's older than all four of those guys. But like I said, like it's Name not about. It's not. It's not about Dallas. Score, like, of course, Dallas has a score to win. But like I said, if they go back to their regular season game where they they, they stop Colorado's uh, fast breaks, keep the, lo- the scores low, they can steal this series. I think. So that's why I picked Dallas. I hope it goes deep. I, I hope it goes six or seven games. I, yeah, of I course. That'll benefit well, Vegas. Well, and we, we all picked, for the most part, we all picked six-plus games for each series, right? I said seven for all three of them. Uh, yeah, I, the only series I picked uh, five is Vegas' series. I could see I could see Vegas closing in five. I picked six, but I could really see Vegas closing in five. I think so much of it comes down to tomorrow night, though. Once yeah. again, I think Vegas, if they can come out and impose their will and win that game, really, I think it plays out a lot like the uh, Chicago series. Maybe not up 3-0, but I think that they could close that out on that back-to-back because I, I just can't imagine Markstrom standing on his head the, w- the way that he has and continue to. Because as you get deeper, yeah, goalie can continue to stay hot, but it's a lot more likely. Look at what year one with Vegas – Flurry carried us to the uh, cup, finals. cup final and then just came apart. So it could, it could happen, but I, I just think Vegas could, is going to impose their will on that series. Uh, I could see this happening tomorrow. I could see tomorrow where Vegas has been off a little bit, just starting out the game rusty, and Vancouver just taking advantage of that and maybe stealing game one. So and then that, sweep the rest. And then sweep and the then, rest. Yeah, I, well, I said six for this series, but yeah. I could see that as well too. Yeah, I, I think it's going to depend on on how everything kind of shakes up from all this bullshit today into tomorrow and seeing how the team does, like Dave said, because they had more rest. Because more rest, obviously, you know, can mean a bad thing here and there. But, I, yeah, if that happened, I could almost see it going the way the Jets series went in year one. I, I think this more rest thing, too, is a little bit – because Vancouver's beat up. They had to go – get at the Two series. They had to go through two series. Both of those against really physical teams in Minnesota and St. Louis. They, yeah. That's why they have a few players injured because they are getting beat up in this. And these these this team is really young. There's there's sm- a smaller team because they are a younger team. Patterson's got is taking a beating. Hughes is taking a beating. It, it's gonna catch up to them soon. This is their first playoff run. So. I, I don't know how long they're, they're – they're a good team. Don't get – like, don't get me wrong, but and I'm Vegas not sure. And Vegas is for how heavy they are as a team. Yeah. They're heavy and they're fast. Yeah. Vegas is. So – It's it's going to be an interesting matchup. I, I yeah. think it's it's going to be fun to watch. I, I think that series is going to be pretty fun. But what about Philly and New York? What do you guys think about that matchup? I don't know. I That one – I. like Eric said, to me at least, that, that would probably be the bottom of my list to follow. Hey. Um, I like to me because I guess so, but it's such an interesting matchup though. Philly had a, had trouble had trouble with Montreal, but New York just steamrolled Washington. I think New York is Philly too. Yeah, I like a lot of us actually pick New York over Philly, and, and I think no, I I pick Philly. Oh, yeah, I pick you, New York. Uh, Philly Philly is still a really really good team. You guys. Like I, I know Montreal, I know Montreal kind of like made him look silly, but 
the two the two games they played, it was Carter Hart just didn't look right. The the two games they lost. Uh but when they won, they dominated Montreal. And even that, the Stanley that's, Cup champions, they have at least one or two stinker games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Carter Carter Hart's still really good. You you still have uh Couturier. It, it's a deep Philly is a deep team. You know, Philly, their blue line. Philly is good. They, you guys forget this is the hottest team coming into the uh before before the uh before the uh the pause start uh, yeah, started i mean i don't think that means a ton now but like the this i mean they got the first seed for a reason because they... the interesting thing is that i mean they actually have a roster that's built you know in a way a little bit like vegas too where couturier is kind of like the mark stone of the east now um, yeah where he's a very big two-way player wasn't hasn't he been a selkie candidate a couple times he is one this he's, year. He's a Zelke candidate oh, right. this year. Uh, he might actually win this year. Yeah, he probably wins because Bergeron probably not going to win. Yeah. And and O'Reilly was the other one, right? And he's done. Yeah. So I think it depends on uh, uh, Hart's consistency because he is a rookie. He does – in the regular season, he does have that inconsistency where for for a time he could not win – was it he couldn't win at home or couldn't – No, he was on the road. Yeah, he couldn't not win in the road. But they, they all play at the same place right now. So does that really matter? Well, I also think uh, you got to look what the coach just did in game – was it game five? Yeah. That, that. Where he let up another goal, let up a fourth yo-yo. Goal. It got – so they were pulling him. Then it got challenged and turned around, and then they put him back in there, and he let up another goal. They lost the game. Now he responded, and they won um, – That game, yeah. Game – no, not that game. The next game, game six. Oh, but yeah. they didn't look fantastic. He didn't look fantastic winning it. So you got to see if, if there's any – and he got pulled earlier in the series. He got pulled game two when he lost 5-0. So he, well, he did, got pulled twice. He, he, he did get pulled, but he did follow it up with two shutouts. Correct. So yeah. it, uh, it, my, my original finals pick was Vegas and Philly. But the, New York, just the, the way they took out the Caps just really impressed me. They, they, New York just outskated the Caps. The Caps looked super slow against New York. New York. New York outcoached the Caps. Let's be honest now. That's that, exactly what happened is that I, it's both. the same playbook because that was his assistant coach that's coaching the Caps now. Yeah, but if you watch the game, the, the Caps looks like they were skating on, on – I know, like I said, center though, blocks. it's because it's they just, got outcoached. Like, I, 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 I think that's part of it, but I also think it's part that New York is just faster and, and the Caps were just like getting old and getting slower. You know, like it's just raw speed that the New York beat the Caps, and I think it, it was it's it was ridiculous. Like there are times though, especially early in that series, where New York, uh, I mean Washington, takes the early lead, and the and New York just comes back and takes over the game after the second period. But you still pick Philly. <laughs> I did pick Philly, but because I'm, I'm making I'm making two because these are two really good teams. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't know why you guys put this at the bottom of the order. You guys are really understand. As far as exciting match, series to watch, this is gonna be an exciting series. I'm telling you guys. Okay, so which so where would you rate it? If it's not at the bottom, as far as least exciting, what series is less exciting Actually, than that? To be to be fair, 
You're right, because all these That's are we very, saying. very exciting. <laughs> I'm not uh, saying the series is going to be dog shit. I'm just saying it's the least exciting of the four good series we have. No, no, no. I actually might put this over Colorado Dallas, to be honest with you. Because I feel like Dallas can dog down that that series. Well, I mean, not for me, but that's because I want to watch what could potentially be our next round. Yeah, that's that's our, that's a little bias for that. But I mean, excitement, if you, you just take out the biases at all, I think Philly, New York is going to be more exciting than that. I, I probably am going to watch Dallas, uh, Colorado more just because of it's the Western Conference. But this series is 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 going to be really good. I'm I'm more yeah, excited for Tampa Boston because that's what I was just gonna oh, say. This, you know, we got that division rivalry there. I mean, the same thing with Philly and New York, but they've all, all been competing it, against it. each other for the top of that division for the last four years, five years. So, all the all of this is division rivals, actually. All the games. And real quick, can we just can we just talk about the fact that like me being a homer actually turned out to be <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. We were talking about that the last couple podcasts where everybody's like, nah, fucking Boston's going to get knocked out. Wait like, a minute, I think I picked Boston too. Yeah, I know, but, but like, I, I specifically was talking in our group chat and stuff like, watch these guys just wake up as soon as the first round hits. Something's going to happen. They're just they going to start playing they, well. they did. I did say that. Like, I wasn't impressed with them, the railroad, but like, they can turn it on and that's on them. If they want to turn it on or not, they know they have it, but early early in the playoffs they it was off they didn't have it kind of like the blues the blue the bruins turned it on the blue uh the blues didn't and that's what happened you know and yeah. that, that's why the blues are not playing anymore well apparently it, it helped them to have that goalie change too with halak um i'm still talking <laughs> well the blue the blues had a goalie change but they went back to their older goalie that sucked <laughs> wow. <laughs> they could have they could have had a chance to win game 6 but no they went back to binnington now, like we said earlier, you know, you don't want your supposed number one to set all uh, winter off season long, I should say, actually, thinking about that. I mean, we, yeah. we say that and then we just had that conversation about the tweet earlier. So it makes it a little funnier. Yeah, yeah I know. A little. Let's, let's well, talk about. That's not, on, that's not on the team. That's that's on Walsh right there. Let's talk about Tampa Bay real quick, though, because you got to understand, like, what they went through last series against the Blue Jackets. The team then swept them last season after they won the President's Trophy. And you guys, you guys said, like, the last thought, like, when we did our picks, that the, Blue, the Jackets were going to do it again. I almost said, no, the Lightning is not going to do Like, it's not going well, to happen again. I didn't say it'd be a sweep. I said Columbus would win it in seven, but yeah, I, but the I line wanted to happen just be, so I could laugh about it again. Yeah, that was it. Was the the mean potential of it? It was great. Like, cause I just wanted to do the whole like I, I wanted to be able to quote their tweet from last season. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's been using to mock other teams. <laughs> like, I just wanted to be Carolina. Like, yeah, 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 I just wanted to be able game. to times two. <laughs> but it's like they remember Tampa Bay's doing this without Stamkos. Yeah. So, and they came out this, today and said that he's still. There's no update on him. Yeah, there's no update on him, but he might come in like in the middle of the series. I don't know, but Boston started looking really good. They kind of they kind of started off really slow against. Uh, crap! What did they play? Carolina, and then just turned it on and just like series yeah, that, over. 
that Carolina series was so weird because it could have been – you had game one where you had the goofy play, the mm-hmm. goofy ref call. I forgot what the exact call was, but it probably shouldn't have gone against Carolina. Oh, oh it was the where gloving call. The glove, whether it's goalie yeah. interference oh, or yeah, a hand yeah. pass, and the refs didn't tell them what to call or what they were calling, so we had to just guess. That was a terrible look by the NHL. Then they won game two. Leading game three, lost that one. I think lost in overtime. Lost Sveshnikov, and then game four, they're up two goals in the third period and then just <laughs> shit the bed, and then it's all over. I mean, it was just a weird series. Boston never looked like they took it over, so I still don't have a ton of confidence in them. That's why I picked Tampa Bay. And I just think Tampa Bay has too much talent. Sorelli, Point, uh, Kucherov. I just think Kucherov, obviously. Hedman, for my money, Hedman and Yossi are the best two defensemen in the league. I mean, Hedman just absolutely fantastic. So I just I think Tampa speed. exercised their demons after beating Columbus. Yeah. So. And you saw I, how I just, happy Cooper was when that happened. He was excited. He talked about it. He said 422 days, but who's counting? <laughs> they cared. They cared about winning that series. I, I will never, ever discount that Bergeron line, though. I, that's the only thing that's keeping you're, me like, yeah. This you're you're just a homer, man. You're a Boston fan. I get it. He, I'll he never, just, I'll never discount Mark Stone used the crime meme again. I did. I did have. I have on my bracket. I have Tampa Bay and Vegas in the finals. So. At this point, that's what I think is probably probably the favorite, even if Philly gets through. Um, yeah. Although I could see. I mean, as much as I love Vegas, I could see Colorado beating Vegas just because if that speed, if yeah, that top line. I mean, it's so good. That trade that they made, moving Bar uh, Barry or Barry out Barry, Barry. for. Kadri was so fucking good for Colorado. Kadri has solidified that second line to where now they can have actual depth beyond one line because they were built like uh, Edmonton before that, where they had one line. You stop one line, you can win the game. Whereas now you have to worry about Kadri. So you have two lines. Vegas has four. Vegas has three. Calm down with the four. And come on, Eric, Sackick's got to be one of your favorite GMs by how much analytics he's, he's into. There he's done a fantastic job. I mean, there, there's so much talk right now because they have so much cap space next year that a lot of these really elite players that just want to sign one-year deals will go there, like Taylor Hall, Alex Petrangelo. Just oh go and cha- go, go do the Paul Korea. Go chase the cup there i mean that would not be fun for us but it would be fun for the league to yeah. watch and, yeah. and you gotta remember too like mccarr is playing really well right now and they still have another up-and-coming defenseman in their in their, Byron. In their system yeah, Byron. Bowen Byron. yeah yeah, yeah oh, so God, they got him yeah so yeah that was and, the that was the ottawa pick last year yeah and they had um who who was the guy who got picked right before krebs new Newhook, alex new oh. too coming in Man. so they, they Colorado is going to be probably one of throughout this year. Vegas is going to be it's going to be their obstacle, like moving forward every year. It's going to be an obstacle. Yeah, I I, I, can, agree. I can see this becoming a in uh, an actual rivalry. Yeah, an intra conference, intra like outside, like yeah. not inside. Yeah, intra conference mm-hmm. rivalry. Well, yeah, the big along well, the, with me. The big thing about it, they have all of their. Core elite players signed, except for Landeskog will be up next year. But Rantanen has another five years. Um, McKinnon has another three years. That contract, holy shit, man. Six 
I million got for you. McKinnon. Six point three. Six point three uh, for Kadri has two years beyond this. Don Scoy has two years beyond this. Comfort has three years. I'm sorry, Don Scoy has three. Um, so then obviously McCarr. McCarr will be when they need to start spending their money. And then if they bring up and play, whether it be Newhook or um, Byram. Man, how so much does Toronto regret getting rid of Kadri right now? He should have traded somebody else instead of Kadri. What are you talking about? Kadri couldn't stay out of the penalty box. You had to trade him. <laughs> like, and, yeah, Barry, and Barry for them didn't really add to Toronto's defense because Barry is an offensive defenseman. He, don't play, he doesn't play defense. <laughs> so it's, they're just going all in on scoring goals. And you see what happened. They couldn't stop Columbus from scoring. They lost. <laughs> it's, you know, that Toronto team's just built bad. Bad, yeah, it's just yeah, bad. You probably see a deal between Carolina and Toronto because Carolina has a lot of extra defensemen. I have no idea how they haven't figured out Nylander for somebody. I mean, I, I just it makes no Marker sense for me. Hamilton who says no. I, I mean, I could see them actually uh, moving somebody real big and out of their organization. I can't imagine them moving Marner. It's not Marner's or yeah. Matthews. Are you really trading your captain when you when you just had him signed to a to a free agent? Yeah, it's not going to be the big yeah, <laughs> And here's what's crazy about the Tavares thing: it would have been better for Toronto if he didn't sign there. Yep. Yeah. 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 They could have went and got somebody else defensively. It would. I mean, I get that it moved up your 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 rebuild and all the stuff. It would have been better for Toronto if he just stayed in. in the Islanders or went out to San Jose actually it would have been better for everybody. If he went to San Jose, then San Jose never makes the Eric Carlson deal. That doesn't derail the franchise. John Tavares fucked a bunch of, uh, yeah, but it would have fucked Vegas because we would have ended up with Eric Carlson. We would, no, nah, he would have went to Dallas. The second, uh, all the rumors back then when that trade was happening was they had a deal with Dallas. San Jose came in, bumped their trade offer. They took the San Jose trade over the Dallas trade. Vegas was, third in the running because we would never include um, glass. We were yeah. never willing to include glass first year or second year. Yeah. Remember that. And thank God we didn't have Carlson. Yeah. Yeah. That was the biggest bullet dodge. We, we, we could not afford Carlson and stone. So I'll take stone over Carlson um, every day of the week. Yeah. Forever. Stone's yeah. younger too. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, it's too old for Ottawa though, but. You have to be 21 or under for, for Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. And may, may, yeah, make league minimum. Brady Kachuk will end up here at some point. <laughs> or be Bobby Ryan is the only other thing. So, yeah. So, did um, we have any uh, any questions to answer on I, the old Twitter? Yeah, so I got them up here. So um, we have one from at JP Mar Ten. Uh, Nick Cousins and Chandler Stevenson are both RFA's next year. If you had to choose one, which one would you resign? JP is actually one of my uh, best friends since college. So. Shout out to JP. What up, what up, dude? Okay, so the question, if we could only keep Stevenson or Cousins, who would we keep? This is really tough, actually. Just, yeah. To me, I, is, is much of a cop-out as this sounds, I would let the market dictate. First of all, which one's going to be less expensive? And second of all, which one's going to garner more back in a trade? Yeah. So if Cousins can get you a second, not that he would, I'm just saying. But if Cousins Well, he's getting $3 million, apparently. Yeah. If, yeah, if, if, but if Cousins can get you a third or a second and Stevenson can only get you a fourth or a third, you trade Cousins, you keep Stevenson if Stevenson is going to be less money. I mean, it's kind of a 
it's a like I said, it's a little bit of a cop out, but I think you let the market. Right. But yeah, so we're probably going to end up keeping both. I think. Uh, um, I don't know about that. I'd wager. Yeah, no. I think so. I, I'm pretty sure. No. How, how I do we think afford so. to keep both? But this is this is a really tough trading thing. Stasny. If can, he won't. If he we won't can only trading Stasny thing. If we can only keep one though, this is really hard because Stevenson had a better regular season. Well, Cousins has been has been amazing this whole season for the playoffs. Yeah, Cousins been, is also the one that would return more value, in my opinion. He's a, he's he's a year older than Stevenson. Uh, they both play center. I think I would keep Cousins, but the fact if I that only get to keep, not be able to afford to do that. What? Because we ha- we have to pay him three million. He's his value, especially the way he's playing in these playoffs, is just increasing now. So yeah. I think he's gonna get about like two, a little under, maybe two and a half or more, in my opinion. It could be the same more. situation that just happened at the trade deadline with Nick Holden. They could literally walk to him and say, "Cousins, we're trading you if you don't say yes to this contract right now," because that's what happened with Nick Holden. Because they Holden, should have done that with him. <laughs> yeah, Nick Holden. Nick Holden signed a $1.4 million, I think it was $1.7 million deal on trade deadline day. So there's no, the timing of it was just like, hey, say yes to this contract or you're getting traded. And I think he said yes. I think Nick Cousins, they could kind of do the same thing. But once again, it depends on what the team values more. I think it might be Cousins. I I mean, Pete DeBoer talks really, really highly of Nick Cousins right now. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, you know who uh, really could have used a gritty net crasher shit disturber during the uh, Arizona, Montreal, Montreal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but Arizona could have too, and they yeah, had Nick yeah. Cousins as well. They had Nick Cousins, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking. I totally forgot Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Montreal traded him to us. Yep. Yeah. For a fourth, which now seems like you, you, you know who could have used a versatile, really fast center. Washington, Washington, Washington gave us uh, Stevenson. <laughs> did either did, did any of you guys read that article I sent this morning from uh, from Jack Hahn? I had a chance yet. So it was a it's a really great article that just kind of goes into why Vegas has been kind of a rejuvenation spot for all of these centers because Vegas. Oh yeah, I did read that. Yeah, Vegas requires so little out of their centers. Not not to say that they don't require anything, but it's just. Go to this spot, be there for a pass, get the puck out of your hands. I mean, for Vegas, it's, it's easy. Yeah, it's easy for the, for for them to come in and do well. That's why Stevenson has done well, Cousins has done well, Waugh has done well. Um, obviously, Carlson coming first year has has done well. Stasny has thrived in the system. So it's uh, it was a really interesting and 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 great no- give you some additional knowledge on Vegas Golden Knights by Jack Conn and Corey can't try to pronounce his name because it's got a Z in it. But, Corey but uh, Cousins is not playing center right now, though. Playing wing. My Correct, but he has played center. Yeah, my instinct says Stevenson stays, Cousin goes. Agreed. I think we both stay. So you got – okay, but if you could only pick one, Carlo, who would it be? I already cousins? said it's Cousins, yeah. Yeah, so, cousins. so you and I are both on Cousins, and Dave and AJ are on Stevenson. I Way to answer the question, guys. No, I would answer the question with Cousins if I didn't think it's going to be a cabbage. Mm. And yeah, if we had the choice, probably Cousins because the way he is, that ship to server and whatnot. So. I mean, if we didn't have cabbage, oh, you can say the word. This is, this is unfiltered. They're, they're both very similar players. They're both about – I mean, they're both RFAs, so 27, 26. 
both third round picks in that 65 to 80 range. Yeah. Both can play left wing or center. I mean, it's, it's they're very a... similar players. I just think it comes down to once again, what can you get? Who can you get more out of and who signs for less? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I say my instinct says Stevenson. All right, so one other question. Running low on time here. Um, so let's let's move on to the, uh, I think we have only one other question here um, since we just posted this like an hour before we started recording here. Um, so this is from uh, Melissa, who's always interacting with us on Twitter, uh, at Sin City Photo Girl, um, GRL. Um, so this is gonna be an even more fun one now because it said, <laughs> who do you think Pete DeVore will start against Vancouver? And why are people so angry about <laughs> having two starters? Well, uh, I believe he's going to start Robin Leonard. I believe the backup might be Oscar Dansk. And I think uh, Fulray might be unfit to play. No, no. He's going to start Oscar Dansk. And if and then Fleury's the backup. <laughs> They're just going to healthy scratch. And Robin Leonard's going to be Leonard. first line center. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Uh, I don't know the answer to this question. Can we, uh, like, nobody can. Leonard's going to try to become the next John Merrill and be an elite forward. Yes. I was going to say, I do honestly believe the reason why all, the timing of all this, I do think Pete DeBoer told the team or told Flurry or Leonard or whoever that Leonard's starting game one. So I think, I think that's already been decided because they don't wait till game day of the playoffs. They've already told the team who's starting next. Because every time they ask Leonard, hey, when did you find out you were starting? He always said the day before or a couple of days before. So yeah. I think that that decision has already been made. That's why you see a lot of this shit happening right now. So I think Leonard is the the, the answer to the question of who do we think starts. I think it's Leonard. Oh, oh by the way. Quick, hold on. Real quick. Do you guys think there is any chance that by sometime tomorrow we hear that Flurry has opted out of the bubble? No. No. I think there is. I do too. I, I think I think I think there's a small chance. Once I don't again, think it's a big chance either. But. Yeah, I, I think I think a couple. This plays out a couple ways because if you look, I mean, we've been recording for more than an hour now, so the the post has been up for an hour and a half, ninety minutes. If Flurry didn't want it up, he would have either come out and said he's no longer my agent, or told Walsh to take it down. So Flurry, at this point, the longer it stays up, the more complicit he is in it. So we can love the guy and not want him to not, not want to think that he had anything to do with it. But at this point, they're in a bubble. They have nothing else going on. You mean to tell me that nobody's told him, Hey, guess what? Your agent just fucking tweeted. He yep. has to know that this is up. And if it's still up, I checked five minutes ago. It's still he, up now. He has to know something. So it's either some sort of statement has to be made because that is really I, – I, I still don't understand. I don't see how this doesn't hurt that locker room because it is a distraction. Oh, hey, your, your really high-profile agent posts a picture of you with a knife through it. Oh, or with a sword through it. And the sword says the new coach's name. I mean, this is just – it's a terrible look. Very yeah. unprofessional. I, I will say, though, that um... – Dangle posted probably one of the funniest tweets I've seen about the whole situation. He let that get through him? Uh, well, yeah. that one too, but, but this <laughs> oh, I think so might have been taken the cake here, where he said, he quoted Mike Milbury and said, women are a distraction, and then he says, Alan Walsh, butt naked, covered head to toe in peanut butter, flailing up broom, he lit on fire. Ayo, my client's team can eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that's pretty true. No, this is this is terrible. This is once again not not to go off on a tangent at the end of this because we already started the podcast with it. But I do think to to answer your question, AJ, I think there is a small chance that he comes out and goes home. I mean, it'll be a terrible look, but if he's against this, either the post needs to come down, a statement needs to be made, or he needs to fire his 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 agent. He needs to come out and say, "I don't support the I I didn't." tweet it i didn't support it i asked him to take it down and then it comes down and then obviously he can save face that way or it, nothing happens and then he just goes okay guys uh i'm not starting i'm going home hey man, one thing we know too walsh certainly did not make that meme i don't think he's photoshopped savvy i that was me guys i'm sorry yes yeah, good job carl he commissioned you <laughs> yeah made some money out of it sorry guys that's all me got some money on my venmo account now hell yeah and the second part of her of Sin City Photo Girls, GRL, her question was what? Uh, hold on a sec. I got it. I, I just looked up the Steve Dangle one, so I have to go back to that now. Um, and it was, why are people so angry about having two starters? And loyalty. It's, it's just a loyalty thing. Dave hit it on the head. Absolutely. It's, to me, I think it's, they were so used to, he was their first child. You can't tell a person that their child is ugly. They will fucking hate you for it. <laughs> Flurry is the fan base's first child. Because keep in mind, a majority of this fan base only started following hockey when the Vegas Golden Knights got here. It's not a savvy – and I know we make fun of them or they get made fun of a lot. It's not a bad thing. I'm not saying this is a, as a knock against the fan base. But a lot of them started really following hockey at that time. And keep in mind, that was Flurry's career year. It was his best save percentage, his best goals against average. He carried the team to the Stanley Cup final as a expansion team. He is their baby. To them, he is the most beautiful thing they've ever fucking seen. And this new coach comes in, the stepdad comes in and says, your fucking child is ugly. I'm starting this <laughs> child. My child's better looking. And the fan base is fucking riding. He said, fuck you, my child's pretty. Fuck you. That's what they're doing. It's all loyalty. So to me, that's why they have such a hard time thinking there's two, two starting goalies. The four of us have been around hockey, have rooted for other teams, have seen shit happen, have been a professional sports fan. Look, if you're a football fan and a star player leaves, you just go, huh, big fucking deal. Next year we move on. It's, imagine being a Patriots fan. Every year they fucking lose somebody that's fantastic. Richard Seymour. This Tom Brady. Brady. They this can one. get <laughs> They could, give, they could give two fucks about it. They just go, oh, yeah, I trust in Bill Belichick. Whereas hockey, especially if you're a new fan base, you go, ah, oh, man, that's tough. How could he How could he not start flurry? Look what he did year one. Okay, but look what he did year two. Year two, he fucking sucked. Look what he did this year. This year, he fucking sucked for stretches. And everybody wants to play the sympathy card. Look, yeah. I could never imagine. I talk to my father every fucking day. I would be devastated if I lost my father. I don't want to try to make light of that in any way, shape, or form. All condolences to him. The fact that he was even able to come back and play in any way after losing his father is fantastic. But at some point, okay, he's here. You can't continue to use that as a, as a crush, as a professional athlete. Unfortunately, he has not been as good as Leonard in the playoffs, at the reg, end of the regular season, or really in their careers. If you look at save percentage and goals against average, Flurry's best year is not as good as Leonard's best year. So, yeah. uh, Eventually, you just have to stand up and start doing your job. Yeah, I mean that—that's it there. I mean, and people like we just talked about a lot of new fans here, which is great. Expanding the game, expanding the fan base, 
expanding the presence of the NHL all around the, the country here. And people, the new ones, especially the timing of everything that happened, the team starting out so well right after the shooting, and they didn't, they didn't see them as a team to root for. They saw it as a member of their family, like Eric was saying. And they grew with that, and their hearts grew with this team. And they just literally, they fell in love, and like literally fell in love with everybody on that team. So now they also feel like they have the knife in their backs, or swords in their backs, and that's how they feel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I just I just think people are idiots. <laughs> Fair enough. And and you know, there, there's also there's also the other camp that we have seen that's like DeBoer is a monster and like all these different stuff. I mean, well, even from his agent at this point, but we've seen that from the the fan base where they're like either really mad about certain things that Leonard's done or they're really mad about their favorite player getting benched, but. And- aren't Here's, willing to think about things in the in the head of like, hey, we, we're fans of a team and we want this team to win the cup in whatever way possible. And here's the crazy thing about it too, is that when Leonard makes like, he allowed, Leonard wasn't perfect against Chicago. He allowed some goals and, and people scrutinize him for those goals that he allows. But when Flurry does that, he won't say anything. Yeah, same, thing, same thing with Subban. Yeah, same thing with Subban. Flurry is a saint. Nothing can go wrong because he's their child. He is perfect. Here, here's the last thing I'll say on this point. If you're going to get attached to players, you're going to be really disappointed as <laughs> yeah. years go because they retire, they turn to shit, they get traded, they demand a trade, they f- pick their puck up and walk away. Players, either you're a fan of a player, which is fine. Hey, they're going to play for your rivals. Yeah, I, went to, I went to OU, so I support OU players in the NFL. I don't have an NFL team. Fuck the Raiders. Um, <laughs> so I get that if you just want to be a supporter of a player or you support the team. For me, I'm going to support the Golden Knights. The, the GMs have given me nothing but confidence in what they're able to do. I want that team to win a Stanley Cup. Would I love Flurry to be part of it? Absolutely. Would I love Mark Stone and Shea Theodore to be part of it? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, if Shea Theodore starts playing like shit and creates turnovers and isn't any good anymore, I want somebody else in that spot that's better than him. If Mark Stone all of a sudden, for his skating gets worse and he, he doesn't have a stick anymore and he can't create turnovers and he doesn't score any goals and he's making $9.5 million, I want him fucking off this team to somebody that can help this team win. Well, that one unfortunately won't happen because he has a full no movement clause. Gotcha. But I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> For me, I'm a supporter of the team. I love the players on it, but I will poke holes in the players on it as well if they're not very good. I'm not just this blind follower. Oh, Flurry can do no wrong. No, he can do wrong. Schmidt, oh, he can do no wrong. No, here's what he did wrong. Here's possibly why he did it wrong. And here's why I have confidence that he can turn it around because he's a good player. But okay. I'm not going to say, oh, he can do no wrong because players do wrong. Well, and and that, that was the, the thing. All of us want what's best for this team. We all want it to win. You know, you just can't go in there and say, it's like some people are going to go out there and say, it's like, oh, I, I, I question the team's philosophy and the morality just because they're studying one person over the other. Like they're doing the best, what they think is the best for the team to reach that goal of winning the Stanley Cup. And every team, team wins the Stanley too. Cup and you're yeah. still going to be upset because so-and-so didn't start and you're not going to celebrate it. Mm-hmm. And that's that was a great team goal is to win the Stanley Cup. So that's why I don't understand like 
So, and that's the thing is somebody on Twitter the other day that actually said, I am actually a fan of certain players and not that's certain fine. teams. That's fine. At least you're like, hey, I'm totally willing to admit that I love Flurry and this is what I, who I am. And I don't cheer just for a team. I cheer for a team my favorite players on. So that's, that's fine. But admit it. Like, don't, don't go out there and be like, I fully support this team except fuck all these other people I don't like on this team. Just, just imagine when this team actually Sucks. goes through a rebuild. Yeah. And they started sucking. And they have to trade off assets to, to, yep. to get back, you know, like draft assets. Yep. Just imagine this, this fan base. Yeah, they have so never experienced winner, that. Door winners right now is how yeah. I feel sometimes. Um, and yeah, we so. would all love Flurry too. We would all love him to be starting and not letting anything in or Leonard not letting anything in. But it's unrealistic to go 16-0 and 0 and not letting any single goals. All right, let's let's move on because we're gonna make this two hours if we keep going on this one. Um, so well, there was big news today. So whoa. <laughs> that, that's yeah. true. But let, let's uh, let's wrap up so we can get ready to watch the next game. Uh, yes, with, actually, yes, starting soon. Um, all right, so so that was it for the the questions. Um, we'll we'll answer more next time. So let's uh, just go ahead and move into the five minute major news from around the NHL, where we tell you about four points. In five minutes. I feel like we need a drop there. Like a little five minute major. Well, you just did. Hey, we're good now. Get our man on it. Right, just, just, just cut there's it. A, there's put a it drop there. right there. You just did it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So are, are, are we going to do this timer? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and do that. And uh, uh, You want me to do it or do you want to? I, I got it. Um, okay. I'll, I'll start this time. I'll do the first one. All right. Yeah, you're ready? excited about the first one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll you, you're you're all about that one. That's that's fine. Um, all right, so one, two, three, and let's go. All right, we talked about this a little bit, but Jordan Binnington, okay? Craig Craig Berube started Jordan Binnington in an elimination game uh, on game six. This is what Jordan Binnington's stats for the playoffs are. Five games played, 0.851 save percentage, and a 4.72 goals uh, 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 average. Yeah, Jake Allen. Five games played. Same same number of games. He had to spell in for Bennington at some point. Point nine three five save percentage and a one point eight nine goals against average. Why would you start Bennington? Why? Because, because you were facing elimination as the head coach. He was the worst. Allen was the better goalie. I understand, but last year joining Bennington won you the cup. He was three. That was last year. He was 3-0 in elimination games at some point. Once again, Jake Allen isn't this star. He's not, goal but he was a better goalie. Correct, right now, and that it cost them. Now, would it have been any different based on how Vancouver was playing? Who knows? But you couldn't go to the offseason having left your Stanley Cup winning goalie <laughs> in an elimination game. You just how ironic it. is that? How ironic is that? Okay. So next, right, one, next one is Whatever. our favorite. Goodbye, good riddance, go fuck yourself, Mike Milbury. I mean, we have talked about it a little bit on this podcast. I have no idea what the NHL and NBC was doing with bringing him there with Pierre Maguire. There are so many good, young, able to speak and grow the game analysts out there. And you bring Mike Milbury, who was an okay player, a terrible coach, an atrocious GM, and his takes are worse than any of them. I mean, he was – 
He said something bad about women's hockey. He said something bad about Tuka Rask. He said that um, who was the Jake Muzzin should stay down to get a call when the dude literally had to be stretchered off. And then he said, oh, hey, there's no women, so the young guys can't go fuck them and get distracted. He is literally a clown. I hope he never works again. The American version, Don Cherry. Yep. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, Dave, you want to take the next one? Well, actually, I was going to say you take it because you're the one who brought it up, and I didn't see it. I, I, well, Carl brought it up, but I brought it. Do you want me to take it? I'll take no, it. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, it's okay. it's fine. So, so we were talking about Nick Suzuki earlier too. Um, well, Nick Suzuki, at one point, um, after one of his teammates scored a goal, it was in the play, went by Carter Hart and tapped him on the helmet just just no, once. Um, I so guess they, funny. they used to be teammates. Um, it, he claims it wasn't meant to be a facetious thing but oh it's disrespectful it's super disrespectful i'm surprised he didn't get run but you knew this happened i want to say last year in the playoffs or the year before i forgot what teams were involved but somebody patted somebody on the head and then during the handshake line they patted him on the head again now this happened at the end of game six when there was a scrum or at the end when they were trying to score to tie the game up yeah grant taps him on the head and then shea weber tries to beat the shit out of grant but i mean Philly, hey. got the, Philly got the last laugh because they won the game. Yeah. But Nick Suzuki, hey, having fun, all the stuff, cool. You're a little dude. You're 5'11". I don't know that I would, uh, I would, I would do that. Because, the, especially yeah. the goalie. The yeah. goalie. Oh, man. It, it, was a little, it was a little boop as he went by, but, yeah, that was bad. He shouldn't have done it. Only right, well, is allowed to do that with the wet lilies, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Rask, we found out the reason why he actually left the bubbles because his child had a medical emergency and his wife was all alone and had to take her to the, emer- take the child to the emergency room. So right there just shows, guys, we cannot make a reaction on something like that right away. How about you find out more details first before you overreact and accuse somebody of abandoning the team and, you know, being Quitting selfish. Quitting on the team. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. That was, that, you know, those were so- complete bullshit. You yeah, know, those were so many bad takes. I will say, though, the, the day before, I was one of the ones, before he, he was completely opted out, when those interviews came out, I was like, what the fuck, Rask? Like, you don't say that kind of shit. Like, I, I think, that was I think a shitty comment, though. Yeah, I think that's what really fueled the really bad takes after it, because the day before, he said, oh, it feels like an uh, exhibition game. So, obviously, the timing of it was bad for him. But, look, anybody needs to leave for a medical emergency for, for a family emergency yeah. full support get out of yeah. here go go take care of your family same yeah, thing with the players that have left for the birth of their ch- children full support of that hey you you go do what you need to do that's gonna be patch ready yeah and stop awesome. people just because they make millions of dollars does not mean they don't have their own feelings stop Co- correct there's no just immunity to be able to railroad them because they need or have feelings like you said i mean it's there are people too. stop being douches Money yeah, doesn't make life. No more. <laughs> There's That's our five-minute major. So, yeah, this uh, buzzer. This uh, this episode will uh, will air. Um, I, I believe it's actually going to end up airing on on Monday. But what we'll do is we're we're going to have a clip that comes out, and I'm going to post the, a clip of this on Twitter around the, the tweet, as we'll call it for now. Um, so. Yeah, I think that's going to be it for this uh, for today. So uh, definitely make fun of our takes once you listen to this, and it's going to be after the Vancouver game, and, and you're, you're going to possibly laugh at us. But we kind of went both ways with the takes, so you never know. I mean, we're, we're right either way, technically. So. We're always right. That's our motto. <laughs> thanks, guys. So yeah. thanks, everyone. Um, at Davis Knightley, uh, 
we you know you know the spiel if you pulled it off our our twitter account so yeah thanks again for listening and until uh, next week all right we're always right <laughs>